Thank you. Um, we are at the 31st Chaos Congress, and it is uh, bigger and better than ever. According to the Welt, over 12, over about 12,000 tickets have been sold, and we all know the Welt is never wrong about anything. <laughs> um, there have been great presentations about very interesting discoveries, new flaws in software, protocols. The SS7 breaches are quite astounding. So for about 31 years, we've been breaking all the things. And, um, and we have been providing proof that things are broken. Nonetheless, it seems that we are heading for a near future in which there are more, more, a lot more things that can be broken. Um, think about the Internet of Things and the idea of having literally billions of devices on the planet um, with non-updated firmware. Basically, one of the premises of what I will be talking about is that breaking stuff to show that you should make stuff less breakable does not scale terribly well. Um, by in itself, this Congress is an illustration of, of that problem. The IT industry has never built in security, designed security in its products. It just has never prevented hackers from testing it in. But testing it afterwards is not really tenable. And there are a few more little problems here, um, which is what we call our hacker ethics and the extent to which we live up to that. I'm not saying that the current sad state of affairs in information security is our fault. Uh, to the contrary, what one of my premises is that the hacker communities have a set of failure modes that have made us achieve less than we could have by not living up to our own ethics. These six tenets of the hacker ethic and even more important, by not being excellent to each other. And roughly, the six, uh, the, the, the notions I will be talking about is us being politically indifferent, us being too political, and, um, there we go, us not, not, uh, being too focused or not focused enough on usability, usability, us being a bit tribal, us having too many rock stars and not enough heroes, and so on. But first of all, the political indifference. A lot of times people say, well, I just hack, I don't do politics. At the same time, you, that, that kind of denies the very fact that even if you just write free software, that is a political act. If only because you then claim that the current system of copyright is broken. If you design a new centralized infrastructure, that's also a political act, because it allows for more mass surveillance, and more data collection about us.
<coughs> not writing usable software is also a choice about who will be using your software. <coughs> the opposite is being too political. A very good example of this is the uh, recent discussion about uh, the funding of the Tor project. People were dis uh, disputing or, let's say, accusing the Tor project of being stooges of the Un United States government because the United States government is funding the Tor project. Which is a bit unfair because if no one would be funding the Tor project, there would be no Tor around. It is a massive project, requires lots of investment, and apparently nobody else but the United States government was interested in funding this stuff. And when we're talking about funding projects, it's a lot more interesting to look into who is being funding who to what to do what instead of assuming that the funding is, uh, that the origins of the money already indicate a certain intent. And in the case of the Tor project, there are two approaches to that. Either start auditing the Tor order's code, which I'm rather sure the Tor developers would rather very much welcome, and find any problems in there, or find a different way of funding the Tor project. That doesn't mean you can't criticize the funding model, but it's more helpful if you do at least one of the two other things as well. And that doesn't mean that there are no questions about how we engage with the state. Um, but I'd like to see more a nuanced approach to discussions about how we engage the state. On the one hand, it, it wouldn't be bad to take geographical differences into account. If you only look at your fellow members of this community through the prism of how the United States government functions, especially the, the police forces, or with the traumas of the oppression by, by the Stasi in uh, communist Germany and before the Nazis. And we are having a conversation with people with a different history than that. That's not entirely fair either. On the other hand, a lot of the fellow Europeans of the Germans could do a lot, could do worse and learn the hard lessons learned in Germany and the hard lessons being learned in the United States, which in my book effectively is a police state right now. But just claiming that anyone who engaged with the government automatically is licking the jackboots of their thugs just doesn't work that way. On top of that, there's a lot of discussion about, let's, let's assume that you want to improve democracy and the rule of law, or at least personal freedoms. You, there's a lot of unnecessary discussions about the validity of tactics, of whether people are being radical enough. Being radical is fantastic, because the more radical people are, 
the more effective the moderates can be to take positions they otherwise cannot take. But if you only have radicals, you won't have any moderates left. So you need both. That's in terms of where you're on the spectrum. There may be more common values between the moderates and the radicals than they probably realize, and there's value incorporating, or at least appreciating the differences because the different parts of the spectrum help each other. That's, that's on substance, but also on tactics. It should not be forgotten that the data retention directive, the victory over that, was achieved by strategic litigation, not by street protests, not by direct action, not by writing codes. It was just utterly the one of the most bourgeois ways of activism you can have, just suing, hacking the law, basically. On the other hand, we could never have defeated ACTA even with the lobby in Brussels, which was an interesting collaboration across various uh, spectrums. But we could not have done that without Polish football supporters doing street protests in the freezing cold outside. Even though a good deal of those football supporters might be uncomfortably far to the right end of the political spectrum, I still think they deserve a statue for stopping ACTA. So basically, the idea of that others have to stop liking what you don't like in terms of substance or in tactics is not very productive. And then there's this other notion which I forgot in my introduction is we have not been terribly good at communicating a lot of basic, several basic concepts in computing. Just to illustrate that, Teenagers nowadays get computer science and secondary education in the form of learning the ropes of Microsoft Office 2013, which probably is not the best way to understand computers. <clears throat> but it does reflect a wider understanding of society of computers as of computer systems as magic black boxes, which you cannot possibly understand, and it isn't even worth to look into and to, learn, to teach other people what I mean. Alan Turing has died about 50 years ago, and we still have not found an idiom or a language to explain what general purpose computing means to mere mortals, to normal people, your parents, your neighbors, your plumber. I don't care. Everyone has a mental model of what a car is and what an internal combustion engine does to some extent. A lot of people do not even have that internal model of what this mental idea of what a computer does. It's just a magic thing and you push buttons on it in a certain pattern and something happens. <laughs> Other concepts are privacy and while file sharing is good, about the only attempt I'm aware of, of explaining that is what Jeremy Zimmerman does with his concept of data love, which is terribly romantic, but well, he's French, 
and we should thank him for that. I mean, this idea of file sharing as data love is fantastic. It's also, this notion of privacy as intimacy, it helps a bit, but still, how many people do you encounter that say, I have nothing to hide? Well, yeah, way too many. So, this idea of sharing knowledge starts with having at least a language to share that, especially with, with lay persons. And the results of that are very bad legislation. And that's why I put in this quote by Amelia Andersdotter, the current laws protect our infallible systems against anomalous people, you or us. An example of that is what the export controls in the updated Washington arrangements say what the definition is of intrusion software. And that software, among other things, does, it modifies the standard execution path of a program or process in order to allow the execution of externally provided instructions. Now, apply this definition to a browser that is JavaScript capable. You all are running intrusion software on your computers that are susceptible to export controls under the Rosana arrangement, if you take this text literally, which hopefully no one ever will do, this is not intentionally done wrong, despite uh, what we may think about the military-industrial complex. The Rosana arrangement to be updated to include intrusion software was a generally well-meant measure to prevent companies from exporting all sorts of nasty stuff to and nefarious regimes like Syria and others. But the net result is extremely unhelpful. And this would not have happened if the people drafting these documents at least had an idea what computer software is and what it does. It would also have been extremely helpful if the little bits of civil society we have weren't overburdened by things like data retention, net neutrality, copyright reform, etc., and would have been able to participate in this. But they were simply overwhelmed. So, even if you don't want to become politically active and just hack, it would be extremely helpful if you were to at least help civil society, like Digital Courage, Digital Gesellschaft, uh, at the European level, European Digital Rights, to help others not to write stupid laws like these. <laughs> and there's also usability. This is my famous error message I got in Yitzi. It informs me that someone else has sent me a message that was intended to another session. Surprise, I have multiple devices with, with, on which I run XMPP clients. Now imagine that you don't want to know about OTR, or you may think that some STD, because you don't know what the, the acronym means, and you just want to do instant messaging with someone else, and you're continuously confronted with stuff like this. And you have the choice between using a Yabber client that does stuff like this, and just to use Skype. <clears throat> the impact of that is that most people will start using Skype again instead of a Yabber client, like Yitzi. 
And why would you care about that? Because you will be using a Yabber client. Well, XMPP slash Yabber is fine if you only want to communicate with other people who also use that stuff. And here comes the clinch. The security of a social network that is community communicating in a digital way will be dictated by the amount of hassle the largest group in the network will put up with. So, in order to have secure communications, you must have usable communications for the largest, the greatest common denominator. Again, normal people, not techies. So even if you don't believe in graphical user interfaces, even if you prefer to torture yourself using VI or Emacs, they both suck. <laughs> your, your own security depends on the extent to which other people have usable, secure means of communication. So I don't care about your Apple hate or your GPL jihadism or to tell other people don't go on Facebook. Facebook is where the other people are. <laughs> and there's this other funny phenomenon, tribalism. <laughs> if you were an anthropologist, I would observe visiting 31C3, that this is a tribe of mostly white, upper-middle-class, university-educated, or at least flunked out of university, male-sipping, maid-sipping, and a surplus of facial hair. I mean... <laughs> Diversity-wise, congratulations. <laughs> We may have reached parity with the IT industry in general on the gender ratio, looking around at, at, at this uh, fine event. Fantastic. Instead of 50% females, we have maybe 20 to 30%. Most people here are from Germany, the Benelux, Poland, Scandinavia, and by that logic, there should at least be a few hundred people of Turkish descent in this group. There are roughly none. That also means that the idea, a hacker ethic of we won't judge you on bogus credentials such as academic achievement, race, gender, etc., we do not live up to that. There are apparently are barriers. That in itself is a problem. I have no idea how to solve it because I'm a white male with facial hair. But let's at least acknowledge that. And then we have this interesting phenomenon, and I think that kind of is the, the rock that ties the room together, rockstar culture. And we have fantastic heroes, we need more of them, let's say Chelsea Manning, Edward Snowden, John Kirikou, those are true heroes. This is not what it is about. This is about some of our heroes who also are rock stars. And the reason I'm using the rockstar analogy is that the rockstars tend to be assholes that treat their groupies like shit, trash up hotel rooms, and are not excellent to each other. And that fosters a culture in which the other problems can occur. 
If it's important to have rock stars, you get into a, a level of uh, competition that's unhealthy. It's not helpful in terms of cooperation. And if you're, it, it, the most interesting way of getting to the top is by breaking stuff, because breaking stuff is by definition easier than building stuff that's unbreakable. It, it also puts an incentive of doing shitty thing, of just accusing your perceived competitors of not being ideologically pure. Or to have put pressure on co content committees by saying that speaker has Nazi friends and, we, that, but, and therefore that speaker is guilty by association. Let's just judge on the merits of the person alone and not on, the, on, on whoever he or she associates with. It also precludes usability. Because to write usable software, if you have coded that software, you, by definition, can no longer judge its usability. It's like having a child, and of course, if it's your child, it's the smartest, most wonderful child in the world. <laughs> it may still be a shitty child. <laughs> so, sort of in conclusion, if we, if we want to fix certain things in our culture, we should at least fix rockstar culture and maybe the politics. And by the way, being too political is less of a problem than being apolitical, I think. So keep on, keep on pwning all the things, keep on decentralizing all the things, keep on encrypting all the things. I just realize it's not necessary enough. Thank you. Thank you very much, Walter. Um, we have time for a few questions. Are there questions from the internet? Not yet, so um, you can... No, not, not at the moment. Not at the moment. Okay, so microphone number three. I don't have a question, but I just want to th say thank you for this talk. You're welcome. <laughs> microphone number two. Hi, also thank you for the talk, but uh, I think you mentioned a lot of very important things here, but I also think that it's important to think about, you know, the thing, one of the things you mentioned last, like you're saying that we should judge a person only by themselves and not by the people we, they associate with, but one might also ask, and that is something that has to do with the person themselves, why do they associate with Nazis? Why, why do they do that? And I think that's a legitimate question to ask, and I would like you to maybe elaborate why you think that uh, this somehow doesn't say something about a person. I, I think it's, it's important to, to think about this as well, and I, I think that it is problematic, and uh, for example, to be, to, be, to be friends with a Nazi, yeah. Well, fair question. Personally, I wouldn't associate with Nazis. However, I consider a person who's willing to do so a better person than me, simply because that person considers even Nazis fellow humans. If you start denying the humanity in other people, you're becoming a totalitarian. Now you're twisting my question. You're twisting my question around. That's not what I said. Let me, let me put it this way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
there may be there may be other reasons. The, 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 the example I have in mind is is someone who actually is is uh, not considered a, a, by the the, the the cultural standards of the of the, the, the country that person is living as a white person and nonetheless is associated with a neo-Nazi because they are both from a very modest working class upbringing and realize the kind of challenges they have had to become hackers themselves, to overcome. Neither of them are the, well, the white, upper middle class, university educated, mata sipping males with a surplus of facial hair. That in itself can be I think a fair, a good reason why someone is still talking to someone else like that. And, and let me say, okay, we have been God winning this, uh, this uh, speech already anyway. Wallenberg, his brother-in-law was Hermann Göring. I mean, Wallenberg, who helped us, uh, so many people escaping the Holocaust, nonetheless had one of the architects of the Holocaust at his Christmas dinner, because it was his brother-in-law. Well, I'm slightly exaggerating here. People do not always get to associate who they associate. Uh, not, do not always get to choose who they associate with, if only because it's, for example, family. Would, would you find it reasonable to exclude someone for not disavowing his or her family? Well, clearly disavowing the ideology and not being part of that. Um, to But, answer sorry, that, um, we have okay. to uh, make sure that ev fine. everybody could um, try to uh, have a question. So there was one question from the internet. Okay. Uh, actually, there are two now, but uh, the first question is, um, how do we solve the problem with uh, rock star culture? By demanding that our heroes keep on being excellent to each other and us. Just not to apply a lower standard to our hearers than we would otherwise apply to other members of our community. It's as simple as that. Microphone number three. Uh, you mentioned that uh, there should always be uh, moderates and extremists, so to say, and that they will offset against each other. But I think that a big problem uh, going on there is that generally the moderates don't understand why the extremists do what they do and the other way around, and there's not really any communication between the two. So well, they, sh they should coexist, but there should be more communication as to exactly who does what and why and how the two can work together. That's, I think that's kind of the important part of that. Thank you for better rephrasing my point than I did myself. <laughs> okay. okay, so Sorry. as we are short on time, we'll have one more question from the internet. Okay, um, in regards to the diversity issue, um, do you have any information on the development in regards to this issue and uh, is there a tendency to, towards a less open group of like tea-sipping people with facial hair? Actually, as a person with facial hair, I have no idea. And just to just quote Nick Farr, who sadly is not with us this time, if you have to start thinking about it, you can only, there's only one thing certain, you're doing it wrong. And it's, I think it's mostly a matter to ask people, for example, who have been visiting hackerspaces who did not return, why they didn't return. It's, this is a question that cannot be answered by the people who are part of, are still partaking in the community. It's about the people who took a look and left and how to do that. It's, it's about realizing that walking around in a geeky t-shirt and sipping mata in itself already signals we have codes and um, you must know the codes to fit in 
but much further than that, I don't get. Okay, so final question from microphone number four, plus, uh, but please make it short. Yeah, I, I just had one question. I, I find there is a lot of uh, guide on, you know, programming one-on-one for people that want to learn, but I feel that there is a lot of less guides about, you know, what you can do to get involved in politics or take actual civil action in this community, at least. Well, actually, uh, I mentioned European Digital Rights, and they publish kind of dummy-like guides, like a, the guide to the Brussels maze and stuff like that. And several other NGOs in civil society publish similar documents. And um, this is not meant as a let me Google this for you, but there actually is quite a bit of information available, um, quite often also in your native language. Thank you. Okay, so as we're out of time, so this concludes our Q&A session. Uh, please give another round of applause to Walter. Thank you.